Hey lovelies, welcome to a classic episode of We Are Child Free, the podcast that shares child-free stories, uplifts our voices and celebrates our lives. While we're working on season three, we thought we'd re-release one of our all-time most popular episodes, Navigating Ambivalence with Clarity Coach Kelty Maguire. We still hear from people who say that Kelty's words have helped them either work out whether they want kids or not, or to accept their ambivalence and move forward with their lives. We've been talking a lot about ambivalence lately in the We Are Child Free community, and this quote from one of our stories really stuck with me. I feel that not being strongly opposed to having kids makes it more difficult to find your own way. I totally, totally get this, because while we're seeing more visibility for the child-free choice, we too often leave out the many people who just aren't sure whether they want to be parents or not. So I want you to know that wherever you're at, that's okay. Whether you're 100% sure about your child-free choice like me, or 95% like Kelty, or you're at 50% or less, there's nothing wrong with you. What matters is that you find clarity and feel comfortable with the life path you're currently on. So I hope this podcast helps with that. If you'd like more help finding your way, we're running a special online workshop with Kelty on November the 17th called Kids or Child Free. If you're tired with making the endless pros and cons lists or dodging questions from your family and friends, if you feel like time is running out to make a decision, or if you're worried that you'll make the wrong choice and end up lonely, old and regretful, or with children you resent, then this is the workshop for you. Check out wearechildfree.com forward slash events to get your ticket and I hopefully will see you there. Okay, let's get to the clarity. Here's my insight-packed conversation with Kelty Maguire. I suppose I've always thought of it as a choice. I never felt like I had to have children. But at the same time, I never really questioned that that's what most people do. And so for me, I feel like it's something that happened really gradually in the sense that I always thought later, 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 someday. And then someday just it's never come. And... I was so, for so long, so anxious around this decision of should I have children? Do I want children? Is this the right path for me? That I finally, in my early 30s, got to a point where I said, you know what? I'm just going to forget about this. I'm not going to weigh it out anymore until I'm 35. Because as a lot of us women here, 35 is sort of that like timeline that, hey, you know, once you hit 35, your fertility starts declining. You're going to have trouble getting pregnant. All these stories that we're told, many of which I believe are totally falsehoods. Mm -hmm. And of course, 35 came and I still didn't really want kids. So then it kept kind of getting pushed out and I'm turning 40 in May and I still don't have the desire to have children. And I would say I've really just come to terms with that. And I feel like I'm more able to definitively say I don't want kids probably just in the last six to 12 months. Oh, wow. Okay. So pretty, pretty recent. Yeah. And it's, it's funny talking to you today, Zoe, because I feel like it's going to be um, probably a bit of a therapy session for me. I know you may not be equipped for this role, <laughs> but, but I'm throwing you into it. But it's, you know, it's been a topic I've given so much thought and consideration to over these last several years. And even, even to come on here and definitively say, I do want, not want children it's difficult for me in some ways. And we can talk about why that is. 
Um, but I almost feel like this is sort of like a coming out day for me. Like coming out <laughs> is like, I am a proud child-free woman because I've always allowed that little seed of doubt to creep in both in my own mind as well as I think in other people's minds. Oh, you're not alone in that. I think there there is a lot of power when you can actually just state it out loud. One way or the other, you know, there is... Yeah, there is no perfect choice. Like everyone is different and every path I think is different. But when you get to a place where you can just vocalize something like that, I know myself, I felt a million times better when I could just say to people, I don't want children. And I didn't have to go into a big spiel about, you know, the reasons. And um, it gives you a a strength um, because you're right. There is in a turmoil that many of us can go through in this process because, Let's face it, we live in a culture that puts pressure on us from even young ages um, to conform, to live, you know, a certain life. And having children is absolutely at the top of that that list. Um, You know, did you feel that pressure as well growing up? I feel really, really lucky in the fact that I wouldn't say I felt immense pressure from anyone in particular. I didn't really feel that for my family. I didn't feel that for my peers. I'm sure I felt that on a societal level just because that's what most women do. And to be honest, that's what all women I knew did. I had a conversation with my mom probably last year when I was really digging into all this and thought like, I just need to definitively make a decision around this. And I said to her, do we know any women who are call it like 50, 60 plus who don't have kids? And she said, that's a really good question. Well, I had one friend when I was younger who didn't think she wanted kids, but then she had kids. Okay. And I said, that's the only person we know. That is the (laughs) only point of reference I have for being a child-free woman. And that's not a criticism of my mom or our family or the people that we associated with. But I think for me, the only pressure was that's just what I saw everyone do. And I think part of the other challenge for me was... And, and this is part of why I really want to talk to you about this. And I think this may be something that some of your um, readers and listeners and followers can relate to is within having children and not having children, it seems to be very definitive for most people. You know, other women that I talked to who didn't want kids would say things to me like, oh, no, I definitely don't want kids or like, I really don't want kids or Ugh, being a mom. And I didn't really relate to that in a lot of ways. And yet I also didn't relate at all (laughs) to these women who would say, like, I've always wanted to be a mom. Ever since I was little, I wanted to be a mom. Like, this is my dream to become a mom. And, you know, it's still something I bless them, like wonderful for them. I don't identify with at all, Mm. at all. So I wouldn't say I ever had a desire to be a mom. I think I just assumed that someday I would want that and it would happen. And then the wanting never arrived. I mean, talking about that kind of that desire, that ticking clock that, you know, you'll hit a certain age and um, uh, a switch will be flipped. I mean, we all we all are told that really. I I was waiting for it as well, Um, even though I knew that I I didn't want children. I was still wondering, will this happen to me? Will I hit my mid 30s and I will just suddenly see a baby and and go, okay, I'm going to forget everything and just go for it. And obviously that didn't happen. And the more I read up about, you know, the biological clock um, and all of that it entails, the more I think we are (laughs) maybe fed a lot of 
half truths, maybe, you know, even lies. I, th- I feel like, I mean, the biological clock that came um, to be in the 70s when, you know, women were, um, you know, wanting to have a career, ha- ha- you know, maintain their jobs. And, you know, they were putting off having children and the patriarchy, the capitalist society, it, it kind of got very scared about women deciding to have a career instead of having a child. And it really, um, this this kind of idea of a biological clock was was put to them saying, you know, you you can have it all and this this is going to, you know, this is going to happen to you at a certain age um, and kind of a way to encourage people to go, this is biologically inside. It's going to happen. I just need to go for it and have a baby. And, you know, I, I think I could see how it could encourage people to have children, um, even if they didn't actually, th- you know, feel any kind of switch flipping or anything. Um, what about you? What do you think about this term, the biological clock? What do you feel about it? I feel like it's super dangerous in a sense because it leads or it has the p- potential to lead women to feel like there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And that is one thing I definitely felt. And I am happy to report I am past that now, but I felt less feminine. I felt less of a woman. I felt like there was something inherently wrong with me because I didn't have this urge or desire. And if we're be- all being told, you know, this is what you want, or this is what you will want. And somebody's going to flip a switch. And, you know, these things that women say like, oh, my ovaries, you know, when I hold a baby. (laughs) Um, And I, by the way, like, I love holding babies. And I feel like, oh, my heart, this little tiny human, it's beautiful. Um, I feel it even more intensely when I see a puppy (laughs) (laughs) or like a small animal. Like to me, it's just this urge maybe it's a nurturing sense, um, this is feeling for, for, for love or, you know, when something's cute. And, and perhaps that is a bio- biological drive to reproduce. I don't know. But, um, you know, to, to have this notion that we're going to feel this and to not have that come, I think it can, it can lead women who don't experience that to feel like they're broken. So um, I don't think it serves any purpose except, as you, as you say, like maybe for the patriarchy to then determine or decide how we're going to feel at what period in time so we will procreate. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, you have to take it with a pinch of salt. And, it you know, I, I could see how on one side we could say, okay, um, we are just built in this way and there is a biological, you know, genetic makeup that makes us want to procreate. Or I could look at it in that maybe we've, we've just been so conditioned and maybe evolved into being more of a carer because we've had to, because men told us that we had to take on this role. So we just did it and you end up sacrificing your life. And then, you know, your daughter does the same and they have babies, they sacrifice their life. And you just end up with this cycle of where the caregivers always. Um, so yeah, I, I really, it really makes me so sad that to think that there are many of us out there who feel like there is something abnormal about us or like you said, like that we're broken um, and we need to stop that. We, you know, we're all different people and I really do believe this. We're all on a huge spectrum. Like you said, some, some people, you know, desperately want children. Some women know from an early age, like three, four, five, that they don't want them. Then there are women, I think, like yourself who it's not so clear cut and that's absolutely, absolutely fine and normal. There is no abnormal. There is no, you know, one way to be, but it's that external pressure from outside that tells you, you fit 
in this way into this one box. And if you don't fit into it, of course, that causes you so much more pressure and upset. Um, you know, did you did you have anyone who you could talk to when you were going through this process that, you know, you, you could find anyone who you could, um, you know, seek support from? Yeah, it's been interesting. And I, I, of course, like some, like many of your guests have to shout at the child-free community because I, I so much appreciate listening to your podcast episodes and, and reading your, your features and articles about these different women. And, um, it, it's, it's definitely been a huge help for me. And I think, you know, there's other child-free communities out there as well, where I, I feel like I found some solace in that. Um, certainly having conversations with other friends of mine who are child-free and have chosen to be child-free has been really helpful. But I would say even within that, it's been interesting or challenging because, you know, I'm of that age where I think those people, let's say this, a a lot, not all, but a lot of the child-free women that I know, and and it's not even a huge number, but let's call it like two, three, four girlfriends of mine who are Mm child-free by choice, they still have their own ambivalence and uncertainty. And I think I have this sort of hidden fear inside of me that they will have children. And then it's this sense of like, you know, yeah, I was unsure just like you, but I had kids and look, it's amazing. And I have seen that happen. I've had that happen with friends who have told me like, I'm very ambivalent about having kids. I don't think this is someone I want, something I want. And then they go and have kids. And of course it's wonderful. And, you know, luckily they've been forthcoming enough to share that, you know, my life was also good before. So it's not like you're missing out per se. Um, but I think that's always my secret fear talking with other friends of mine. Um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's also a listener to this podcast the other day. And I said, okay, so how sure are you that you don't want kids? And she said, oh, probably about 80%. I'm like, well, I'm about 95% or 97%. And, and so there's that camp. And then there's also women who I feel like I've tried to kind of ask them about it or, inquire, but I almost feel desperate because I want to bring it up every time. Like every time I see them, I kind of want to reinforce like, so you still don't want kids. Is that right? And they're like, yeah, no, like I'm good. And, and, you know, I almost want to dig into it more. So I would say there's some people I've been able to have conversations like this with. Um, I really would love to have an older person in my life who has perhaps more life experiences in that next stage of living who could help me or not even help me, but like who would able be able to reflect back in a way that perhaps people who are in that boat with me can't do yet. Yeah, I think having that kind of representation and those role models, it is so important. I mean, I remember, you know, in my 20s, I like you, I, I didn't know anyone who was child free. I didn't know any role models. So that that gives you more fear because if you're not seeing someone out there who's made that decision, who's happy, who's fulfilled living their best life, if you don't see that, you obviously think there's a reason for that. People aren't choosing this this path. There's a reason for it. Um, so it quest it makes you question yourself so much more. And having, you know, to to having, you know, other people out there who are doing this in their older, you know, um stages of their lives where they say there's no regrets. And I mean, this podcast is amazing because I get to speak to so many different types of people and ages. And, you know, I've spoken to Marsha, who is 78 and, you know, she has absolutely zero regrets and other women. Um, it makes you just feel a bit more comforted that it is possible. And this is why it's just so important to get stories um, out there, especially like yours, because I really, truly believe while it feels like maybe you're the only or in a smaller camp of women who are ambivalent and not sure, I still think there's actually a large 
you know, a large amount of, of women like you out there, you just don't have a dedicated, um, like Instagram, obviously it's easier to have an Instagram about child free by choice or child free by circumstance, or, um, I'm a parent's blogger or, you know, those are very distinct defined, um, camps. And I think your camp is a little bit more on the fence. So it's harder to have that representation just out there saying, I'm not sure, but I do believe from the messages that I get, I think there's actually a lot of women out there who are like you, um, who are going through their journey and having that representation, I think would help so much. I mean, yeah, I, I also don't know any, I'm trying to think, I don't know any women in my own friendship group who are, you know, in their, 50s or 60s who are child free everyone in my family had kids and um it's it's yeah it's it's unusual I guess obviously women back then it, it was more it's what they did you know having children was it wasn't really a choice for my my mum she kind of said to me it wasn't a choice what about what about your mum did did you ever talk to her about this actually yeah, I have talked to her about it and I have to say she's been a great supporter like I never ever had her making comments like, you know, when are you going to have babies? When are you going to give me grandkids? And okay, good. people get that a lot. Like I would say virtually every woman I know gets that from their mother. Maybe not everyone, but like most. Yeah. And I think these types of comments can be hugely influential. Um, it's interesting with my mom because my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, she was trained as a dental hygienist. She did that work for six, seven years, absolutely hated it, had other sorts of career aspirations for herself, like writing and fashion design, but that just wasn't really what you did. She you know, was encouraged by her parents to take a traditional route and dental hygiene was considered a good, relatively well-paying profession. So she did that, hated it, mm -hmm. um, stopped that once she had children and was in a position where she didn't have to work. She supported you know, the family and my dad who was working um, and we, there were three of us. And she was, you know, I don't want to say she was this perfect homemaker in the sense that she was always baking cookies and sewing her own clothing. Like she wasn't really <laughs> that, but she was amazing as far as, you know, silly things. Like I'd mentioned to her, oh, there's these cool like gel pens that all the girls at school have. And the next day she'd come home, she'd say, I went to four different stores and, you know, just to try and find the pens that you'd liked. And so Aww. she always was going that extra mile to take care of us, to provide for us, et cetera. And Having children, she has told me, has been the greatest thing she's ever done. Um, you know, she she absolutely adores us kids to the ends of this earth. We are her whole world. Yeah. And so I, you know, we can we can talk kind of more about that and what that dynamic is like, and maybe in a way how that sort of informed my wish and desire not to have kids. But it's interesting because she very very much wanted and loves her children. Interesting though, when I asked her about the choice to have kids, she told me that she also never had this real like burning urge or desire to have children. But she remembers her and my her and my dad had been married for five, six years at that point, which at that time was quite a long time. Like they were in their late 20s. They'd been together since they were in their early 20s. And they were walking on a beach in Hawaii on holidays and people were there with their children, their families. And her and my dad kind of looked at each other and it was this feeling of like, you know, this is the next step for us. Not necessarily that there was pressure, but they just felt like it's time. You know, it's been enough just you and I. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor dad and mom, you know, they were tired of each other's company. But, but I, I also know their lives look very, very different than my life looks today. And so, um, you know, it's, it's comforting to know it wasn't this huge urge and burning desire. And actually, my mom, she told me she wasn't 100% sure about it. Um, despite contraception, she fell pregnant with me. 
And she thought, okay, well, that's it. We're, we're now having a family. And you know, she was happy about it, but it kind of forced that choice that she was uncertain about. So it's interesting because she loves it. She says it's the best thing she's done. You know, she wouldn't trade it for anything. And yet when I talk to her about my own choice, she's very supportive. And she, I think, very much understands where I'm coming from. And she says that she probably would have the exact same reluctance as me based on the state of our world, the state of my own life, you know, the reality of the way things are today. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head about how life has changed for us a lot for, you know, what our mother's lives were like is completely different to what our lives are like. I mean, I was always very practical when I would think about children. I was like, how am I going to, how would I do this financially? How would I do this with the career that I want to do? How, how would this actually work? And I know, I think a lot of people don't think of those, those things. I think us child-free folks, we think to the nth degree about how does this work? How, you know, what would our life look? And I think that's a good thing. I think, you know, when we think about all of those different ways our life could go, I think it can only benefit benefit us. Sometimes it can be frustrating and it can make you go around in circles for sure, especially if you are ambivalent because, you know, if I shut the door this way, does that mean I lose something completely if I go in this other direction? So there is that that kind of like going around in circles aspect. But I do think, yeah, when we, when we kind of look at it practically now, if I come back around to how our mothers, you know, had it, it, it was a completely different way of bringing up children. It's just you know, the reality is it's much more difficult now to bring up children. I can see that with my friends who they don't live so close to their family. Um, you know, we don't have this nuclear kind of everyone in, on the street is looking after children. We, don't, we just don't have this way of, of, of looking after children anymore. And our, our costs are, you know, increasing our, the, the turmoil with the environment. So we have all of these other factors. So I think any mother could look at that and go like, I'm not kind of surprised that maybe nowadays women are choosing to opt out of this or thinking much more about not doing it. I could see that. Um, and it is frustrating, I guess, when when I hear from women whose mothers are so pressured on them, you know, they are telling them, like we were saying that, you know, you, there's something not right with you. If you don't want kids, like one woman told me she was going to be disowned by her, her mother and her family if she didn't have children. And it's just, it's kind of, I don't understand that thinking because it's it's not like you have you can have a baby in a bubble. There are, you know, there's elements that you have to think about this logically. Um, and I feel like, yeah, women like you and I, we think about it a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I mean, I'm one of those people who I, I, I frankly think there are no real logical or practical reasons for having children. It is a very yeah. emotional decision. Hmm. That said, we live in a world where we need to consider these sort of logical, practical things. We just yeah. do. And I suppose it's, it's like a way of looking at things. But, you know, as an example, I've had friends say to me recently, you know, now is a great, like now being in the pandemic is a great time to be having a baby. And their reason or thinking what? is, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss this in a moment. <laughs> um, you know, both assuming you have like a two household or a two parent yeah. family, both, both people are um, at, potentially at home or working from home, or at least that was the case over these last several months. Um, you know, there's more, I think that's the, the benefit, or I've had people have children in the last year and a half who say it's been really amazing specifically for um, if there's a male partner who often is not at home during the days to be there has been incredible for them. Mm. You know, my thinking, and I, I often I'll you know, come home from having these conversations with friends and say to my husband, 
on the contrary, I think this is the worst time <laughs> ever to have a child. Like yeah. for, for, I mean, a thousand different reasons. And again, you could say that's a matter of perspective, but you know, I, as examples, you know, I'm hearing this week that a lot of people are getting more sick this autumn with a common cold, that sort of mm-hmm. thing, because we haven't been exposed to germs for the last year and a half. And I think, can you imagine having a one, a two, a three-year-old child who has effectively never been exposed to anything, who is oh, now going to be walking around, you know, this like totally <laughs> vulnerable immunocompromised state? Um, yeah. You know, I, I look at, I, I didn't see my family for full two years because they're in Canada and I'm in Germany. Um uh, that kids aren't getting socialized properly. And, and again, like anybody listening who's had children, like this is not to harp on you and your choice. I understand that you know, people want to have kids. They don't, they don't necessarily need to put their lives on hold because of a pandemic that will go on for an undetermined amount of time. But I look at that and I look at so many other aspects of life, you know, the political, the financial, the mm-hmm. emotional, the environment, all these things. And for me, all signs just point to no from a practical standpoint. And then emotionally, I just don't have that urge or desire either. Yeah. Did you, so then when you kind of looked at those two sides, because I, you know, I've read books and on topics like ambivalence and it gives practical advice of, you know, you can look at either side, parenthood, child-free, and you can, you know, write down everything for this and everything for the other. Um, And then you're really analyzing, you know, your values, who are you as a person, your personality type, um, and you're weighing them up. Basically, I, I really think you have to look at the role of mother as a job. You have to really, really look at it like, do I fit this role? Um, and, you know, so when you were doing this kind of weighing up and you could see all of the no's, was there any yes that you were just like, okay, I could see this as a very good positive reason for having children? I think there's two potential yeses. And one of them is that future yes, where yes, in the future, if I have children who end up being a certain kind of person that I have a certain kind of relationship with, and, you know, we both happen to exist, you know, 30, 40 years down the road, like there's a lot of if factors. I think a lot of people they envision, or maybe they've had this themselves. It's like, the family at the cabin at the lake and everybody's together. And it's like, you know, you're in your sixties and your child's in their twenties or thirties and they bring their partner and you have a barbecue. Um, that wasn't my personal reality growing up. Uh, I don't think that's the way most people's families are. Some people's are that way. Wonderful for them. I feel like that would be nice. That would be wonderful. If that's my reality in the future, wonderful. I feel like it's a gamble and it's me placing bets on something that may never come to pass for a lot of uncertainty and potentially discomfort for myself in the interim. Um, I, of course, you know, I love, I have a wonderful partner. Um, We have a great relationship. It would be, I suppose, interesting and I'm sure magical to experience creating a human with this person or bringing a human into this world. Um, You know, you can picture those beautiful moments of seeing your baby giggle and having snuggles in bed in the morning. I just, I think that picture right there and what we see on Instagram and all that, that is solely what most people base their decision on, of children on. And I, again, I'm, I'm maybe being unfair here. This may be entirely not what people think of when they think about having kids, but I feel like it's this little tiny piece of things. Mm. And I said that to my husband the other day and he said, yeah, it's a little bit like, you know, he said like on the, to, in kind of defense of these people, he said, it, but it's like, if you, you're going to go on holidays, you don't think about your car breaking down or getting robbed. <laughs> you think about laying on the beach and how relaxing it's going to be. But mm-hmm, the difference mm-hmm. is, is that having a child is not a vacation. Mm-hmm. Having a child is the very rest of your life. 
Yes. It does not stop. I mean, my, my parents will, my dad will joke that, you know, like you never stop worrying and we're, you know, we're nearly four. I have a twin sister. We're both nearly 40 and literally they still will never stop, you know, worrying. They'll message if we're getting a flight somewhere. Have you landed? Have you landed? It, it doesn't stop. So that's what I think maybe, yeah, maybe people don't maybe think too much about that. This isn't just the perfect Kodak moments. Um, and you're right. We see a lot of the, those on Instagram and social media. And I, I kind of wish we had a bit more of both sides because no decision is perfect. And, you know, this is what I think we we can look at, you know, the, the role of um, having a child. Yes, of course, there are positives, but there are absolutely negatives. And the same with the child free life as well. Um, so, so if neither are perfect, I think it's important to talk openly and honestly. But the problem with parenthood is that we vilify parents if they say it's anything except the most magical, beautiful uh, experience of their life. And, you know, women especially, let's let's get it, you know, straight. It's women who are, who are um, you know, told how, how dare they for saying they haven't had anything but the most amazing experience having a child. Um, and, of course, that means that we are, aren't giving people the facts, the full facts. And I... I still believe that if you were truly honest about, you know, the reality of parenthood, you would still get a lot, a lot of people having kids. I don't think you're actually going to put people off. I just think they're going to be going in with their eyes a bit more open and not feeling like they're failing. Because I think I, I don't know if you've ever had this with your um, your friends who had kids. I, I know so many of my female friends who they feel like they're failing within, you know, it doesn't take much within a few months. They're like, oh, I can't breastfeed. So um, I am obviously doing something wrong or, you know, um, I can't get get my baby to sleep for the full night. I'm doing something wrong. And it, it's kind of like, no, you're not. You're absolutely not. But because we do have this kind of perfect sanitized view of parenthood on on in our culture and, you know, in social media, um, it does set people up to fail. Do you feel like that as well with your friends? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think, and I guess you could argue the same thing about business ownership or about people's romantic relationships. It's like nobody wants to show or talk about those difficult parts. And I think it's harmful because it sets people up to make choices when maybe it's not the right choice for them, maybe when they're not ready to do that, or maybe when they can more adequately prepare themselves. And, and maybe you can't be prepared, right? Like I, I know a lot of people who have kids, you're like, you're never going to be ready. But I, I also feel like though, and I have to say like, and again, this isn't a criticism for, for women mothers who feel that way, but I am a little bit surprised the number of people who say, and I hear, you know, or see social media posts, like, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. And I always think, you know what, Karen, you just brought a person into this world. Sorry, if there's Karen's listening, I shouldn't, it's a, it's a bad, bad sort of me, but like no. you brought a person into this world. How easy did you think it was going to be? Because I yeah. think it would be immensely difficult from the word go. And frankly, I mean, babyhood, that doesn't really scare me that much. I'm like, okay, it's going to cry nonstop. I'm going to be self sleep deprived. That's hard. But like thinking about raising children and navigating that and, you know, mm. social media and bullying and eating disorders and Mm -hmm. You know, all these potential things that come up, I just think it would be very, very hard. So I'm always a little bit taken aback when people tell me they're surprised by how hard it is, because I think I think it would be really hard. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I think that's that's the thing. I always looked at it as, no, this would be so difficult, so hard. I always looked at the I also the the negative sides. I always thought I would lose my freedom. I would lose this and that or I wouldn't 
you know, I would be anxious all the time. I would be worried about them hurting themselves. And, and I would always look at those sides. Um, but then I, I exactly like you, I've had multiple friends say to me, they didn't know it would be this hard. And I just am like, how, how, how do we get to the point where with all of our nonstop, you know, internet, online life, how do we get to the, the point where there are, you know, grown people who have children and they, they don't know that the reality is it's fucking difficult. Um, so I don't know what, what's, what's missing there. Maybe we all need, if you want to have a child, maybe you should have courses and classes to actually, you know, see what you're getting into before you do it. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I mean, I I think that was something, um, is it Marsha Graham? Is that um, uh, the the Marsha I spoke to. Yes, sorry. that was uh, Marsha Dr- Davis. Mar- Marsha Davis. Okay, I couldn't remember her last name. Um, I, I heard the episode with her; it was excellent. And I know you've referred to this in another podcast episode or two, but where she talks about like looking after somebody's kids, not just yes. for an evening, but for a few mm-hmm. days. And I'm curious to know how many people have been around kids to that extent, and, and maybe they have, and maybe they like it, but I got to tell you, I mean, um, my husband has several nieces and nephews and anytime we spend more than a few days with them, like it is, it is very difficult for me. It's, it's yeah. very, very hard. It's, um, I think I messaged you actually, I think I left you a voice memo one day after having spent a weekend with them. And yeah. I said, wow, this has been a, you know, really solidifying experience. And it wasn't the first time I did it, but looking at it through that new lens and really being like, okay, is this something I would take on myself? Do Is this how I want to be spending my time? Is this what I like? And you might say, well, they're not your kids, but I, I just, even if, even if my own kids, my own circumstance were, let's say different than that somehow, I just don't want to be a part of that whole landscape, to be quite honest. No, I, I think Marsha's advice of look, if you can look after some children, obviously if you're, you've got siblings who have kids, great friends, and she's right. A couple of hours is not enough. You kind of need to be in, you know, there for a few days or you, you need to be able to see the full morning to evening and, you know, day to day. And if you don't have that experience, then you're in the dark, really. You Then you really are kind of going off what by what maybe your friends have said. And let's face it, of course, there are people, parents who won't give you the full facts because like we were talking about, they, they don't want to come across as, um, you know, as being anything but a loving, caring parent, but we need to kind of stop with that 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 idea that you you can't be you can still love your children and, and be honest about how tough it is and how difficult it is, um, but we're still not that you know, we're still not there yet. I don't think as a society because the articles I'll read, you know, parents who've admitted they regretted it, um, the comments are, you know horrendous. So I feel like maybe that is the ultimate, the last taboo. Actually, maybe it's not being child-free. It's being a parent and admitting you regret it. I think that is possibly the worst thing any person can say, apparently. But I just think this is reality. This is, you know, the human experience is it's varied. And, you know, what what do you think about, you know, parents who regret having kids? (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I think part of my own reluctance to definitively say, I do not want children. And, you know, I, I came on here today, I said that, and it's funny, I've been exercising that muscle and saying it more to people. And it, it feels good to embody that, as you mentioned, but I think that fear, that niggling fear is, okay, what if I get hit by lightning, I suddenly decide to have a child in the next 12 to 24 months or whenever, like it would probably be relatively soon. Yeah. My biggest fear is that 
that child would be born with people around me thinking she doesn't want that child. She didn't want it. That, that kid, you know, is, is not wanted or that my child would somehow find out that one time I did this podcast or that I was running around telling friends and family, I don't want kids. I think that's the fear there now. And I, I, you know, I think there's so many reasons why there's this, to go back to your question, there's this taboo around having children and regret. And I think perhaps at the root of that is the fear of damaging one's children, mm, potentially. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, I know most people, when they admit that, it's usually sort of on the condition of anonymity. Yeah. Um, it, you know, also perhaps it's just maybe people feel like it's admitting fault and it's admitting the, the quote unquote biggest fault because it's something that you do for the rest of your life. Once you become a parent, you are a parent indefinitely. So to say I've done something that is irreversible, mm-hmm. You can't undo becoming a parent, whether or not you have a relationship with that child. You know, maybe that's too difficult for someone. Um, And then, of course, you've also invested so much time, energy, blood, sweat, tears, all those things that it can be hard to admit that that's not something you actually, in fact, wanted or enjoyed. Absolutely. I mean, this is why I think it's so important that people really think about you know, their personality, their values, their priorities, their goals in life, and, you know, really analyze all the things that they want in life. Do they match up with what it looks like when you bring a child into that? Because we get, I think, unhappy parents and unhappy children when we maybe don't think too much about it and we just go for it. And then you have this kind of, this out of alignment. And of course there's resentment there. And I can't blame someone, you know, that's why I hope we can get to the point where we think really, you know, carefully about this decision. It's not, it's not just a requirement to have children. Where, you know, being an adult doesn't just mean you just have children. It shouldn't be anyway. In our culture, I feel like some for some reason that is, you know, what we put out into the world is it's just a checkbox. It's you know, tick. I've I've got the marriage. Tick. I've got the child. And then I've done life now. Cool. And it's like, oh, wow, no, this is so not the way we should be thinking about this. Um, And I hope we can get to that point. Um, But it's it's yeah, it's a really frustrating thing to to kind of see how we do view it in our society. Um, Did you ever kind of read, you know, did you read books about, you know, how to make this decision? You know, were there things that you were trying to do to help you? clarify this decision? Um, or have you just come to it through a journey to where you are today? You know, there's been a few different things, um, not reading books. And it's interesting because there were a couple of books that guests of yours have recommended around this decision or like the, the baby decision, or I've, I've seen books that have been recommended. And I said to my husband recently, Oh, maybe I should get this book and go through it. And I thought, Oh, but I can't really be bothered because I know what I want. And you know, I'm sure it's probably interesting to some people listening because I t- I talked to one of my uh, male friends recently who has two children about this decision that I've come to or this you know lack of desire to have kids and and kind of the ambivalence around it and this and that and he just looked at me and said you obviously just don't want children and he was so upfront about it and just called it out and I said yeah no I I don't and you know it was it was kind of refreshing to have somebody just be able to say it straight out as opposed to dancing around it, which I think I, I have done in the past. Um, not books. I, I did have numerous sessions with a coach. Um, you know, I've seen various therapists and it's something that I've covered in therapy over the years, but I did specifically um, hire a coach to, to kind of talk through some of this. And upon hiring her, she was somebody who was recommended, not specific to this choice, but just as a general life coach. 
Um, I think in her first or second session, she mentioned that she had become a mother quite late in age. I want to say like in her mid late Mm forties. Um, and I almost had this sinking feeling when I was hearing this, like, Oh, even you gave into how, you know, and she, cause she, she understood this sort of ambivalence or uncertainty. And it was like, Oh, I didn't want to become a mom. And, And she wasn't saying it as a pro for having children, but she mentioned, you know, but, but then I did become a mom and, you know, I'm happy being a mom. And, I thought, oh, you too. Um, <laughs> that said, it was helpful, you know, to have some discussions with her, to have her sort of ask questions. And I think it just, it started to feel a bit kind of tired and going in circles after a point. Um, I think that one of the most enlightening questions that I asked myself or kind of something that for me was so impactful was, first of all, really, and I, I think we, you know, we can talk about this perhaps later in the episode and a future episode, but um you know, get first of all, getting clear, and there's specific questions I asked, but to kind of look at what I wanted that future life that I want for myself to look like. Yeah. And ultimately knowing, which I think most of us want, is I want to feel like I have a joyful and fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. I want to feel joyful and fulfilled. And to be frank, I feel very fulfilled and joyful in my life right now. Mm-hmm. But the question I asked myself was, do I believe that I can feel fulfilled and joyful or have a fulfilled and joyful life, whether I have children? or whether I don't have children. And the answer I came to was actually, I had the belief that both paths would lead to a beautiful life. Mm -hmm. That if I become a mom, I will have a joyful and fulfilled life. And if I don't become a mom, I also will have a joyful and fulfilled life. And coming to that conclusion, and it was probably a couple of years ago now, it was so freeing for me to just feel like, yes, I can have a great life no matter what I end up choosing. In a recent turn of events, asking myself that question again, I thought, I don't know if I would feel quite as fulfilled if I had kids. I don't know if it would feel, maybe I'd feel more fulfilled, but I don't know if I'd feel as joyful. So, you know, it's shifted and changed, but I I think a lot of people, part of the reason they struggle with this question of do I have children or do I not is because they believe that only one path can lead to having that fulfilled, joyful life. Mm -hmm. And I think as soon as we remove that or at least entertain the possibility that it is possible both ways, Mm. it takes immense pressure off. I love that. I think that is, that is amazing. I think you're right because so many people look at the child-free route and we're told it's the sad, lonely, no one to look after you when you're older. You know, it's, it, it's painted in such a negative way that I think that is what, where the fear can come from a lot of the time when you're trying to decide between one or the other. And I think if you, like you just said, if you can kind of look at both of those paths as they're just different ways of living your life and both can bring in positive things into your life, you know, differently, but still positive, still fulfilling then it's not about, you know, you're going to lead a more sad, depressing life if you choose this one route. It's not about that. Because I I truly believe you can create whatever life you want. You just have to give yourself permission to say it out loud and go for it and not let anyone else dictate to you. But, but yeah, I really love that, Kelsey. I think that's a really amazing way to kind of think about this decision. And it really, it really could give many of the listeners a different perspective on it, which I love. Yeah. I, I think there's so many roads to happiness. And I think that we have been taught or we have seen modeled for us that there's only one way to achieve that. And I know for me, 
my life has been characterized by many different paths that have sort of woven different directions. And I really think that there are many, many ways my life could look and I could be very fulfilled by those. And I think we need to stop holding that tight grasp that things have to be a certain way. And, you know, I'll say the same for if there are women listening who have struggled with conception and having children or they've, they've dealt with miscarriage. I think that kind of thinking also goes in that direction that, you know, the only way in which I can feel fulfilled is if I have this child and if I, or if I, you know, Mm. birth my own child or what have you. Um, And I think it can be tough to let go of that, but I think we're doing ourselves a disservice when we picture that our life can only go a certain way. Oh, absolutely. I think I I do that to myself all the time. I think, oh, if I go in this one direction, that means the door closes completely to everything else. I'll never be able to go back into this other direction. And that's that's just going to make everything feel so much more scary and um you know, paralyzing. And, and in fact, yeah, thinking about what, you know, you, you choose one direction and you can go in it, but that doesn't mean you can't fork off from that direction and start walking in another way. Um, so I think, yeah, I think we are, I think we're, where we maybe are conditioned to feel like there is this one true life that we all should have. And it's, you know, it's this one direction. And if we don't do that, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be fulfilled. Um, and, I think there's there's such strength. And if you have that strength and courage to say, I'm going to do what's actually right for me and my life. And, you know, it takes a lot of guts to go against what society tells you you're meant to do, especially as a woman. You know, we are really told this is the direction we should go from a very young age. You know, we're, we're given baby dolls, for Christ's sake, like we're as, as toys, like we're given, you know, we have like mini kitchens and, and as ba- as children. So I think it's, it's so, um, yeah, courageous for any person to go, I'm going to go my path. And yeah, it's maybe not as clear as the other path, you know, there's maybe more branches in front of it and you, you know, you have to kind of push through it and it's still there. That path is still there. And, and you can have an incredible, incredible life if you, you know, if you go for it. Um, so I, I think it's really important. It's a really important thing to to not be scared about taking that less traveled road especially you know just because you make this decision it doesn't mean you can't change your mind as well this is another thing i think people think like if i do this if i say i'm doing this i can't ever change my mind did you ever feel like that as well like obviously like you said if you have a child there is no going back from that that's the that's the only kind of caveat with that kind of thinking um so you yeah you have to be pretty damn sure if you're going to do it, that there is no going back from having a child. Yeah. Yeah. Or you gain certainty through that process because because you have to, I, you know, I, I often say that the only truly definitive choices in life are death. Should one choose one's own death, death and children. Like I think most other choices, maybe they're not reversible, but they're recoverable from, Mm -hmm. from, if that makes sense. Yeah. If you change your mind, that's also okay. I mean, because I think a lot of child-free folks, they can, you know, they've got this like clock ticking that it's, and they get this, you know, pressure from obviously it could be family. It could be just societal pressure and that intensifies this ticking sound in their head. And then they're waiting for this biological clock, so to speak, to, you know, kick in. So it's it's a constant pressure. Um, But I think if people can kind of let go of that and give themselves the breathing space, I know myself, my, 
you know, when I've been struggling most in life, it's when I've been so fixated on trying to work out what is the perfect way of doing this, you know, and, and ultimately there is no perfect way of doing anything. I think it's far better to let go and move forward in, you know, in a direction, if you choose to be child free, you know, for 10 years, you can still make, you can still have a child, even in your forties, you know, it's anything is possible. But I think when you let go of that, that kind of that pressure, um, you're in a better mind space to actually truly think about what is it that you do want? Because all of those external pressures, they are only going to confuse you so much more. And this is in the baby decision. There is a, an exercise where it does have this two lists and, um, I know a, a friend of mine, she had these two lists, four children and four child free, and then she coded up the list. So what she did was she added on a label which um, were external pressures or, or which were internal. So trying to really just see which are, the th- which are the concerns and the worries and the pressures that come from outside of her thinking she, she has no control of. And what she saw was m- the majority were from external you know, it wasn't her thinking, um, oh, I, you know, I desperately want a child because I I think my life would be better. It was no parents were pressuring, society was pressuring. Um, and yeah, I think like if you can try and really see whether that that pressure is coming from a um an external source or is it coming from yourself, um, you know, maybe that can help you as well. I'm not sure if you you know, felt like the pressure was coming more from outside or inside internally? I think for me, it was more um, just internal worries. You know, of course, that old narrative of I'm going to end up alone and sad. Um, I certainly don't feel alone and sad now, but I, I also don't think take things for granted that my life will look as it is now in 50 years. You know, i That'd be a nice long life, by the way. But like my partner um, may no longer be here with me, for example. You know, I, I always tell Chris he needs to outlive me because I couldn't bear the thought of losing him. But right, or, or he yeah. may he may be, you know, have dementia. Or, and so, of course, you think about these kind of sad scenarios. And and I guess that maybe that's an external factor. But I also think it's internal and in that that's an emotional sort of anxiety. Um Externally, I think maybe it was just that feeling that I somehow was abnormal and, you know, I, I, I've definitely let go of that. I, I feel really fortunate in the fact that I have received very little external pressure aside from what I've seen around me and that um, generally the people in my life have been very accepting of this choice that I've made. I mean, it is so much, it's, it's, it's a lot easier when you have family support and friends support, um, you know, just having people who back you up and, and can help you in that way, it does, it does make it easier, but ultimately, yeah, you, it seems like you had a lot more turmoil coming from yourself within. Um, and while it was great that you had family to support you, actually it was something that you were wrestling with yourself. It wasn't that you were getting, you know, horrible comments or judgments. It was, it's actually, you were just trying to really weigh up this decision yourself. Um, you know, is there anything that, you know, advice wise you could have give you could give yourself your, you know, a, your younger self, to help you, you know, go through this process? Is there anything, any advice you might have? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. Um, 
I think in general, the advice for my younger self and the advice for my present self is to not be so hard on myself. Uh, you know, it's kind of ironic. And I, I, you know, I'm fortunate in the fact that I've had, for the most part, very supportive people in my life, not just for this decision, but all of the decisions I've made. And while I wouldn't say my life is extraordinarily unconventional, it also hasn't walked a super conventional path. And so it, it's kind of funny that then the pressure that I feel comes from inside myself. And so as far as advice I might give, I think just not to worry so much, um, mm. you know, to have faith that the choices I've made in my life up till now have served me well, even when they haven't served me, they've ultimately been teachers for me. And I suppose it also would have been enlightening or interesting to recognize and to have examples of people who've made other types of choices in my life. I don't think there's anything I could have done differently on that front, but it's exciting to me to see that there are people who are much younger than myself who are already being exposed to examples like the people you interview on this podcast or the books that are out there and that more conversations are being had around this. Um, again, that's not something I could necessarily change, but if I could sneak into the past and like insert a few helpful examples or a mentor or a podcast like this, that definitely would have been helpful for me. Um, you know, time and time again, I just, I, and I've tried to tell myself that as I progress through this this decision is like not to worry, not to stress, to trust that things will unfold as they do. Mm. And I will manage and I will hopefully come out thriving because despite adversity that I faced in my life, like we all have, ultimately I have come out in a place where I feel stronger, where I feel more sure of myself, where I feel more confident in the choices that I've made. I love that. Yes. I mean, I would love to then know about your work, Kelty, because you, you know, you work as a coach um, and you help other people um, who are starting businesses. And, you know, so you, yeah, this isn't, this isn't something that you've always done, right? You've, so you've kind of um, come to this in the last few years. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So I do what I call clarity coaching, which is help people get clarity and direction, um, mostly business owners and professionals. Although a lot of the work I do can apply to any area of life, which, you know, the irony is not beyond me to know that a clarity coach is in search of clarity around this sort of question. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is something that I've done for about two and a half years now. Prior to that, I was actually a jewelry designer. And I came to clarity coaching after my own real confrontation with this question of what do I want? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. What's next for me? I felt stuck and dissatisfied and unfulfilled in my last business, um, not for its entirety, but certainly in the last couple of years. And through coming to that decision to close that business and then trying to figure out what the heck I was supposed to do next and then navigating my way to figure out how to make that happen, what I recognize is that most of us, when we're struggling with some sort of challenge in life, when we're feeling unsure, when we are feeling indecisive, what's, what's missing for us is clarity. You know, it's having this vision of where we're going and being in touch with what we want. And it's really, I believe, at the crux of not all, but many of our problems that we, that we struggle with and certainly professionally and in our businesses. So, um, yeah, it was, it was this culmination of, you know, my own experience, uh, personally, professionally, having struggled with this, having recognized that other people are struggling with it, that I decided to help people get clear in terms of what they want, what's what matters to them and the steps that they need to take to, to realize that. 
I think it's a really important topic. I mean, I know just myself, like how, yeah, sometimes you can just go around in circles and half, I think half the battle is actually just having that clarity and knowing the direction you're going in. And then you can worry about all of the details and all of the, you know, the practical stuff. But actually it's just, it's having the, the, maybe the strength to kind of go, okay, this is the direction I'm going in. So that is what my eye is on. That's where I'm going. Um, and you know, I know myself, I, I can flip between different things that I love because I think a lot of us can love lots of different things in our life. And again, you have this worry about if you close the door on one path, somehow you won't ever be able to go back to that. And that's just not true, is it? I mean, um, I wonder whether this is more, you know, women, we deal with this more. I don't know whether because of the way we're raised, um, there is more uncertainty maybe for us about, you know, being bold enough to go, this is the path that I want to take. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get there through grit and determination. Um, Instead of maybe choosing a path that, you know, we're kind of told that we should go down, you know, you know, you, you bring a good point into question. And I would say, that aside, sort of the, the main reasons I see people struggling with this, struggling with you know, paralysis analysis, too many choices, feeling unsure about pursuing what it is they want, I think it's twofold. I think one is that most of us are very disconnected from our own wants and desires. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say the role probably for women, you know, a lot of that has to do with our upbringings, um, you know, the emphasis on other as opposed to self. Mm-hmm. Um what sort of been prescribed for us. Um, you see that with men though, as well, right? Like this expectation that they're going to be primary breadwinner, that they're mm-hmm. going to have a you know serious occupation, that, um, that this is how a real man behaves and acts. And so I think we all have that. We all have these sort of roles that we have seen modeled to us, that we have explicitly had told to us. Um, we often, and, and I'm going to refer to a book, which I've yet to read, but I... <laughs> which, which makes me kind of funny. It's like, here's the Coles notes on a boat book that I read the back cover of. Um, but it's a book that just recently came out and I'm afraid I don't know the author's name, but it's called wanting. And the philosophy okay. of this book is really that most people's wants and desires are mimetic. They're based on mimicry or copying what we see mm-hmm. other people wanting in their lives and, you know, from their doing. And I, I think that's really true. I think for us, you know, when we see most people get married and have babies, we then determine that that's what we want. And so mm-hmm. it can be hard for us to divorce ourselves from that. And frankly, nobody really asks us, what do you want? And often when they do, you know, we can think about high school guidance counselor in school, like, would you want to skip study at college? If, you know, if that's the, the path we went down, it's like, no, 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 you know, you're, you're a smart girl, you want to study science or no, no, no. you know, that's mm-hmm. not that's not a practical choice. So most of us aren't asked that. And when we are, it's kind of mocked or chided or not taken seriously. I think that's part of it. Um, I, I just think that for the most part, it's not something that we give ourselves the time to explore because it kind of feels like navel gazing to think mm-hmm. about like, what do I want? You know, let me sit up here on my meditation cushion and ponder life's great questions. <laughs> no, most of us were, were, you know, taught to kind of make these snap decisions and So I I think there's a lot of different reasons that we sort of become divorced from these desires. Mm -hmm. Um, And ultimately, most of us are never taught to design our lives intentionally. We're just Mm -hmm. taught that these are the things that you do. 
intentionally is such a key word here, right? Living with intention, um, because I think you're right. Many people can feel like they're living on autopilot and yeah, they are maybe checking checkboxes that were put down for them, but they may never have actually chosen them had they known that there was a choice. And I think that's why I'm so, like you said, I'm so happy for the younger generations that they they're going to see different ways of living. They're going to see that if you don't want kids, it's fine. You're going to be you're going to be able to create a life that is happy and fulfilling if you want that. And there is nothing abnormal about that. And I think, yeah, it's so wonderful to see the child-free communities out there and that there are more coaches and that we can start, you know, telling those people, raised as girls, that it's okay. You have a choice. And that you you know you don't you don't need to feel like you have to do one or the other and give people the time as well because yeah I don't know whether you felt like that that like this but that there is such a pressure because you're on a path you're set off on a path of school then university then get your job then you know get the house have the child and it's you know it it feels like a a weight on your shoulders often and if we could yeah live more intentionally and really think about what is it that we actually need in our lives. What kind of person am I? Do I want more of the freedom that comes with living child-free? The travel, we talked a bit before we started recording about how we would, um, you know, we see ourselves living more location independently and, you know, having that flexibility to travel more, which is one of those massive positives to being child-free. So I think you need to really weigh what kind of life do I want and, you know, um, and work towards that. And it's okay if it takes years to get there because nothing worth getting is an overnight process, you know? Um, and it's okay. I don't, I don't think I know any person who at the age of 20 knew who they wanted to be, what they wanted to do, what kind of life they wanted. It's a process. It takes years to get there. Um, and just giving people more space to breathe and, um, and fail as well. Like this is the, you know, if you, do something and it's not perfect, that's okay as well. Um, you know, I guess that the problem is when when people rush into having children, like we've said, there is no going back from that. So that's the one reason why I really hope we can get people to really think more intentionally about this. And if they need to wait until their late 30s, late 40s even, my, by God, it's better to wait. It's better to wait and just let yourself have that time than rush into it, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And and to highlight what you said, you know, thinking about that kind of life that you're cultivating, I think that's the most important question that we can start with, regardless of the area of our life in which we're seeking clarity is, you know, ask my clients, what kind of life are you building? What is it that you're cultivating here? Um, you know, what kind of experiences do you want to have? How do you want to feel? And to look at that bigger landscape, and to get really clear on the details of that as best you can, knowing mm. that we don't really know what's going to come to pass, I think that can then help us sort of situate different choices that we have around career or around children or what have you within that. But we need to be clear about that first. You know, it, it, certainly you you can go have children and then decide after I want to have this life of freedom where, you know, I don't live in one place for more than a month or what have you, mm -hmm. um, which you and I both said is not not exactly the kind of freedom we have in mind. But um, it will be more challenging that way. So I think for people who are feeling uncertain to really just step back and think about life as a whole. And again, the quality of that kind of life they envision, that can be really powerful. 
So then what has, I mean, you know, up until this point, then what has the, or not the decision to be child-free? Because I guess you you haven't, um, you know, it's only recently that you kind of felt more like, okay, this is something that I'm standing in my truth now. Um, But what has it meant? Because you didn't rush into that decision, because you did give yourself the time, the space, um, you know, to to think really intentionally about this or just give yourself time. That's sometimes all we need is just more time. Um, what has it meant for your life? I think it's meant building and enjoying a life that is, it's mine by design. I, I think, you know, intentionality is so key. It, it's a luxury. You know, it, this is a privilege that we don't all have. Of course, mm-hmm. we have varying degrees of this. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm lucky to have been able to ask myself these questions to be able to made, have made these kind of changes and pivots. But I feel more, I suppose, rooted and firm in the choices I've made because I have taken time with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an understanding of self that I think gives me a confidence that may otherwise be lacking if I would have just made a snap decision one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I appreciate your your sort of semantics around this as far as, you know, oh, well, maybe it's not a decision. I mean, I, I'm comfortable saying I do not want children. Yeah. I think the, you know, we kind of talked about, I suppose, part of my reluctance for, for not wanting to say that. And part of it is this sort of emotional piece of like, well, what if I do have kids and then my child thinks I hate them? <laughs> um, you know, that's one part of it. But I think part of the reason that I haven't wanted children and it ties into this kind of life that I'm cultivating for myself is I am someone who really views life from like in a very dynamic perspective and full of possibilities and sort of this weaving, beautiful, colorful journey. And certainly it would be weaving and colorful if I had kids. Like I don't doubt that. I'm sure it'd be very colorful. Um, perhaps crayons all over my white walls. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but I think part of the reason why both why I don't want kids, but also why it's hard for me to say definitively 100% is because I feel like saying definitively 100% I want kids, it feels like closing off possibility. Right. You know, both the possibility that maybe someday I'll want that and both the possibility that I see that my life could take this really circuitous sort of interesting journey. So, mm. um, you know, I, I, I appreciate you reminding me that it's okay to choose again and for yeah. people to give themselves the permission that I can choose differently. My husband and I, we have a very pragmatic view of our marriage. I'm sure he won't mind me saying this. Yeah. But like, we're not, I, let me say this. I would love nothing more than to be with Chris until the day I die, because yeah. I love that man immensely. However, the pragmatic view is that may change. 20 years from now, we may feel like suddenly we have nothing in common. We haven't been able to make it work. And frankly, we want to go our separate ways. And I don't think many people have that view on their marriage, on their families, on their careers. Um, and I do, and it's something that I think is tough for people to embrace, but like, you just never know. And if I have kids, like there's a lot of, I won't know, but there's also this really extreme degree of knowing that like I have children forever. (laughs) Uh, Yes. No, I mean, I think, I think that's a very helpful way to look at life. There are no guarantees in life. So just enjoy what you have right now. Try not to, yeah, try not to box yourself in too much because that's where you start to feel that pressure of getting something perfectly right. And there is no perfect, you know, what you decide today might be not what you decide tomorrow, 10 years down the line. And that's okay. Change is apps. We are humans. We change every day. I truly believe life is a journey and a process, you know, and who I was 20 years ago 
you know, as a 20 year old, it feels like another person. It doesn't feel like me at all. So, and where I'll be maybe in another 20 years will be completely different. And I, I actually have to embrace that and accept it as part of the process and try not to fight that as well and be accepting that if I change, I change and I'll be fine because I'm fine right now and I'll I'll be able to manage it. Like, you know, like you said, your life up to this point has worked out so far. So you'll you'll make it work. Whatever happens, whatever you start to feel or, or you'll make it work, you know? Yeah, 100%. But yeah, I, I thank you so much though for, you know, sharing more about this journey of yours because I think it really is something that so many you know, women, they go through and, and I've been on the Instagram talking about ambivalence a lot in the last few weeks. And the, I have gotten so many messages, so, so many messages. So I, I truly do believe that this is actually a really, really important topic for many. Um, and I, I think, you know, the topics and, and some of your suggestions and, and just listening to your journey and, and how you got to this process actually is going to help a lot of people in their own journey. So thank you so much, um, for, for sharing it with me and the listeners. Well, thank you for having me. And, you know, for anybody listening who's feeling uncertain or ambivalent about being child-free, you are certainly not alone. There are so many of us that have felt this way, that still feel this way. Um, I think it's part of being a, you know, very questioning type of person, which is a great thing to be. You know, it's great to question our own motives, our own desires it's great to be intentional in our choices, which I think a lot of people lack. So kudos to you. Um, there's certainly nothing wrong with you for feeling this way. And hopefully the suggestions and me sharing my story will, will help you on your own journey. We Are Child Free is hosted by me, Zoe Noble, and produced by James Glazebrook and Anna Gunn. This podcast is brought to you by the generous support of the We Are Child Free community, the most empowering child-free space on the internet. To find out how to join our global community and support our mission of changing child-free lives, head to wearechildfree.com. Speak soon, lovelies.